I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Judy Wilkins-Smith, author of Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi-generational patterns. Every human being is born to be remarkable, yet every human being is shaped by patterns handed down by their ancestors, invisible, multi-generational patterns of decisions, thoughts, feelings, actions, inactions, reactions, and choices that limit their responses to events and influence every decision of their lives, unconsciously running the show. Judy Wilkins-Smith shows readers how to uncover these emotional DNA patterns, understand the limitations of the gifts they bring, embrace them, make new choices, and rewire the brain, allowing readers to transform themselves into the best of who they really are. Executive coach Williams Wilkins-Smith is a highly regarded organizational, individual, and family patterns expert who assists high-performance individuals, Fortune 500 executives, and legacy families to end limiting cycles and reframe challenges into lasting breakthroughs and peak performance. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Judy. Hi, Catherine. It's lovely to be with you. Well, okay, so what we're talking about is uh, relationships. We're talking about multi-generational patterns. I find that fascinating. So that all the things that have come before, all the DNA, the emotional DNA, impacts all the choices in terms of what we do. And I don't think most of us are aware of that. I, I don't think that comes into play necessarily when we make choices, whether it's getting married, running a business, whatever it is. Is this a, a new concept? Uh, it seems... Or is, I mean, this is something that we're just beginning to, oh, I guess, sink our teeth into? I think it's a combination of the both. It's not that it's new. I think it's that it's now coming into play as something that we can, as you said, sink our teeth into. And the beauty of, of the work is that we also dimensionalize the issues that we're looking at. So if you were at an event, what you would see me do is, listen to the issue, set up live representatives, because at that point you can actually see what's inside your mind right in front of you. Only this time you're not trying to, to figure it out in your mind. You're actually seeing it, feeling it, touching it, um, tasting it, talking it through. And so as you begin to put two and two together and the pieces of the pattern come in, you have insights you've never had before. You begin to understand why it is that you're always sad or mad or don't do well with money or struggle in relationships. And very often, as you beautifully summarized, the words that we speak and the actions that we take didn't begin in our mouths. They echoed all the way down through the generations to us. And the reason they're with us is to seek balance in the system. In other words, anything that's unresolved or excluded, we have a chance to resolve and we have a chance to remember or re-hyphen member and bring those pieces back into the fold. So now you don't need to repeat that pattern because it's been completed, which means you can pivot around and start creating completely different emotional DNA, which, again, as you said, you rewire into your brain, but also into your heart and into your gut. And when those three are aligned, you achieve a state of coherence, and things start to shift. 
do we have to have a crisis to help us to be able to first recognize that we are making these choices and they are related to a whole line or pattern of behavior that didn't start with us? How does that happen? I mean, yeah. I'm so glad you asked me that because that's what we think. We are taught to think, I transform through struggle. I transform through crisis. And that's really, that's what I'm teaching here is, no, you don't need to do that. You can actually transform beautifully simply by looking, understanding, and pivoting. Because when I say looking and understanding, in this process, it's an extremely visceral process. You really get what's happened in your line. So it begins to stir things in you. And so quite the contrary to the idea of struggling and suffering, you're very able to do the wow factor that has as much of an effect as if you were going to struggle. It's the antidote, if you will, to a trauma. It's consciously laying down neural pathways and new ways to think, feel, and act, but in ways that you are incredibly happy and fulfilled doing that. Well, now it's very popular to look for our, we're fascinated with our ancestry. People are looking at their family trees. You can go on Ancestry.com. Yes. How do you, you can't go on EmotionalDNA.com. I'm assuming you can't. <laughs> uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we may be able to. But, so what do I do? I, I, I how do I, and, and talk about this as you do in your book, but how do you, how do you access it? How do you really access it? Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, as you pointed out, genealogy is hugely popular. That tells us that we really know there is something in that genealogy for us. And so far what it's been is, this is where you belong. The work that I do shows you why and how that matters. So there are two ways to access your own. One is to look at your genealogy and understand your country of origin and the events that happened either in your country or to your family, because the events are what sparks everything. We begin to make decisions, choices. We create thoughts, feelings, actions, inactions, reactions in response to events. And those events and all of the pieces that we create then form a language, and it forms a set of actions that become a pattern which we call the truth, but it's not. It's only your truth, and your truth you can change anytime you want to. So that's the first one. Go looking for the events in your genealogy. And by the way, there are over 100 million family trees out there, so people know something's up. So that's the first way. The second way, if you don't have access to your genealogy, is to go and look at the repeating patterns in your own life and the significant events. So... Let's say, for example, you're too afraid of relationships. You, you'd love to have one, but you're not doing that again. My, I would ask you, when did that start? What was happening in your life at the time? What did you tell yourself about that? And what did you make it mean about you and about others? Because with just that information, we begin to see where the patterns are, and we then understand which pattern is trying to stop and which pattern is wanting very much to start through you as a remarkable new chapter. So you're talking about those repeating patterns that are not working, that don't work for yeah. us, and, and we they're have to either, take... 
Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's those patterns, being able to identify those patterns that are not working, but that we keep repeating over and over. Okay. So put it in, you know, give us an example. Okay. Um, let me think of a multi-generational example for you. So I'm, I'm going to give you a relationships one. Great grandfather meets the love of his life. He, within two weeks, he's proposed within three months, they're at the altar. Or he is, but she isn't. And he tells himself, I'm not good enough. It was all too good to be true. Don't trust women. They'll walk away from you and absolutely don't be stupid enough to trust a first love. And he tells his kids that. This becomes folklore. You know, I met your mom. She's wonderful. That first love of mine, mm -mm, don't ever trust those. And any time that one of his kids brings home a first love, they all look at each other and roll their eyes. Because, I mean, my goodness, you know those don't last. Well, that comes down to you, the client, who says, I've met this person. It's the first time I've ever been moved by this. But I just know there's something wrong with this picture. This is not okay. I have to get rid of them. So there's your repeating pattern in a relationship. And, of course, the antidote to that is to look and say, oh, okay, hold on. That was grandfather it happened to. And dad kind of repeated it. Do I really want to do that? Or is it okay for me to commit to this and see what I can do differently and really be okay to be invested in that beautiful first love? Does that make sense? That does make sense. That makes yes, it does make sense. I, I'm I'm just wondering how you can always get that kind of information. For instance, let's say you are aware of that. I keep I you know repeat this pattern over and over again. Why? Where is it coming from? Doesn't work for me. I mean, that's one example. But I don't have access to grandfather or great grandfather or absolutely yeah. So I keep doing it and I keep doing it and I cannot figure out why. What I then want to look at is, what started that for me? Well, I bumped into a, a somebody who could have been a first love, and it just didn't feel right, so I pushed it away. And now it seems that every time somebody comes uh, to, to be with me, right at the point of engagement, I keep pushing it away. Okay, this is a pattern that needs to stop for me. What was happening for me at the time? Well, I was going into a, a bright new career, and if I'd invested in this love, my career could have tanked. That was then. Where am I now? I'm pretty good in my career at the moment. It's okay for me to open my heart. What was then isn't now. So I can then, then set down that old pattern and say, thank you. You served me well up to now. Now it's time for me to look at a new pattern. And the new pattern says it's okay to open my heart. I have my career set up. I, I have all the pieces I want. Come on in. So it's Just relanguaging as well. Relanguaging. Do you need to have a therapist or a facilitator or a coach or someone like yourself to help you do this, or are, can one do this on their own? Let's say just read, not no. just, but reading your book, for instance. Are we good to go? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly why I wrote the book, because so many people kept saying to me, that's fine. I got through this one with you, or we handled this one, and I'm really doing well, but now I've got that. Is there a way for me to do this? Absolutely. The book shows you step by step 
Take a look at what's not working for you. Understand where it came from. Look at the messages. We call them systemic sentences. So what are the sentences that you keep telling yourself over and over again? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough degrees. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not funny enough. Well, is that the truth? Or did you have an event that gave you that impression? And is it still the truth for you now? Because we grow just like events and values do. So in the book, I take you through exactly that. Sit down, write down what it is that you want to address. Then write down all the things you tell yourself about that. And we are awfully good at what I would call casting our own spells. If you tell yourself, I'm not good enough or smart enough, you can feel it and your gut will tighten. So, yay, everybody's in in, uh, alignment, but not in the best way. When you start to re-language it, you give yourself a little bit of, and, and you get something right, your brain goes, oh, I'm not stupid. Actually, I, I did that. And you do it again. You go, I'm pretty good at this. And now you're building the antithesis, the other library, the library of can-dos. You're languaging that down into your brain, but you've got to feel it. And the minute you feel it, you go, man, i got to win. That was good. Now you could, your heart opens and your gut settles. And so all three are in alignment in a way that you can now wire that new blueprint into your head, heart, and gut. And it changes you. Because not only are you not repeating your own patterns, but if it's a multi-generational pattern, then for the first time, you're no longer living ancient history. You're now creating true present and your future is going to be completely different. I talked about in the beginning, I mean, this, that's, this is a process and you're an expert in terms of the kinds of people that you're dealing with. I talked about Fortune 500 executives and legacy families. Tell us about these legacy families. How does that work and what does that mean? How does it work for them, with them? Gosh, it, it really varies. But some of those that I work with know that they've got all of the success part down. So they've got the financials down. They've got the safety and security down. They've got the homes They've got everything going for them, but there's an emptiness or something's not quite working in the emotional DNA department. And that's when we look to, it's never that there's something wrong. It's that there's something waiting to be added and they know it and they can feel it and they want it. And so I will come in and do a big uh, history on the family, have a look at the themes, have a look at who's stuck where or who's flourishing where, because of course, that's also emotional DNA, and see how we can reframe one and strengthen the other so that now you've got a full house of success. All right, that one example with the legacy families. Now, what about these Fortune 500, these Fortune 500 executives? What's usually the presenting problem? So, so there are many presenting problems. It's usually what kind of leader am I? How can I be a better leader What is my next level? So this is where, and I have a lot of people say to me, they're not going to tell you all of their things. Yes, they are. And yes, they do. Because they also know that to be a visionary leader, that means they've got to keep growing even as they're growing their teams. And they also, a really strong leader has a passion inside for that growth. They don't want to be limited. 
So they're looking for the next edge and the next edge. So what I do is I do a very deep dive into their family system, and then I do a deep dive into their career. And then we see how they are in their career in response to the family system. Because who you are as a leader begins at home, either in collusion with the family system or in reaction to the family system. And so we use all of that to uncover the hidden gold that's always there and to discover again what pattern wants to stop, what pattern's trying to start, and why is it coming to you? Because you're the only one who can write that chapter. So that's how I work with them. It's interesting because I've, I've started reading about Steve Jobs and Larry Ellison and some of these these men billionaires and where they started and what their family patterns were and it's 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 not exactly what one would think uh, you know Steve Jobs was adopted and his mother had him when he was 18 years old and not the you know well-to-do or well-educated middle-class or upper-class family and and there seems to be sometimes a pattern that I, I don't know if you've ever ex- thought about it or examined those those highly successful people I find it but it's, it's what you're talking absolutely. about. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you look at Steve Jobs, he has a particular dynamic that we, we look at in systemic work and constellations. What you sometimes see is an adopted child. Now, this is not always pleased, but you do see this quite often. An adopted child may go one of two ways. They may, there's an inner sentence that says, I will never belong no matter how much I try. And in those cases, the children underperform. Or, or individuals underperform. Then you get the other side, which says, I will do anything to belong, watch me. And they overperform. And so you find these overachievers, overbelongers, and they create places for people to belong, like Apple, like uh, any one of those larger organizations. They create it because they didn't have it to begin with. But they are overachievers, and the inner sentence, again, is, I will do anything to belong. I will make my mark. You will see me and know that I'm worthy of belonging. And so you see these super achievers. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because, you know, that's the real, obviously the positive side of it. And most of the time we hear the negative side of it. You know, I was never really who I could be because I was adopted and and I I don't know my biological family. And there's always kind of somehow a negative aspect or a pattern or whatever and uh this this is absolutely a 180 right when you're talking about steve jobs which is yeah very interesting absolutely and also when i work with people who are adopted if i work with leaders who are adopted i make sure that they are very aware that they have two sets not one so they have double blessings to draw from not one and they were meant to be a gift because otherwise they wouldn't even have been born there was a very strong chance they could have not been born. But the fact that they are suggests that they go looking for, again, what is the gold in the situation because it is always there. So we constantly have to be aware, even if we're not a, a Steve Jobs, but be of what, and I, I think I said this in the beginning, what's unconsciously running our show. Like what, what is, and, and that's, isn't that the key? That, that is what we yes. have. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The minute you get into any situation where you, you either feel disempowered or the opposite, empowered, 
just take a second and ask yourself, what am I telling myself? What am I feeling? What is my gut doing? And what is the pattern? Because if you do that enough times, you're going to suddenly realize the minute that you get stressed, you go, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Or the minute you get stressed, you say to yourself, I can do this. Stop. What are you doing? Come on. It depends on on the language that you've given yourself. And that isn't only dependent on your multi-generational system. It's very much dependent on the choices that you are making internally and often completely unconsciously. Now, I'm going to ask you, because we don't have a lot of time left, but in terms of your career and your personal background and uh, your um, emotional um, emotional IQ, too, uh, where did that come from, I mean, your interest in, in the work that you're doing? I mean, did, was oh there a... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so very quick story. So what happened was we moved over to the U.S. I was a triple uh, tech, uh, med tech, and uh, so I thought I would come and do that, but we didn't have our green card. Then my father was killed here. And it was a very quick scramble to, well, what can I do or we're going to be in trouble? And I started writing fiction books, bumped into this work, and somehow never looked back. And the irony of the whole thing was people said to me at one stage, oh, of course you'll, you'll understand this work. And I said, why? And they said, because it has its origins in the Zulu tribe in South Africa. And when they said that, <coughs> I got very quiet because I'd worked in surgery. When I left, the person who gave my farewell speech was also a Zulu person, a Zulu chief. And he said to me, you may be leaving us, but you'll find a way to represent us in the world one day. And I laughed. And now I do it every single day. That's quite a story. That is, yeah. And how long ago was that? I mean, how long, when did this happen? That was probably about 15 or so years ago. And, of course, the other wild piece that goes with that is my number, after uh, family, my number one value is magic. The magic of the person, the magic of the soul, the magic of possibility. And when I was a very little kid, Walt Disney died, and I said, now who's going to make the magic? And everybody was quiet, and I said, well, then I will. And Walt has traveled with me ever since. I wear a Walt Disney small token when I'm teaching, and I teach at Disney World. Great story. We we only have about a minute left. I mean, the magic of possibility. I want to leave with that line. I love that, the magic of, possibil- of possibility. Well, we've been talking, or I've been talking to Judy Wilkins-Smith, um, decoding your emotional blueprint, a, pi- a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi-generational patterns. Great book. Great story. Thanks. Uh, give us a website and our websites to go to so that we can get more information about you and your writing. Absolutely. Yeah. Judy Wilkins-Smith.com. That's your best site to go to, and you can get hold of me via that site. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Judy. Oh, Catherine, thank you for having me. It was yeah. lovely. It was great. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 